Welcome to Black Music Matters, a podcast dedicated to celebrating black musicians, singers, and songwriters whose major contributions to American popular music have nearly been forgotten. I'm Arlene Corsano, and this first podcast of Black Music Matters explains how all popular American music has roots in Africa, Central West Africa to be more exact, the Sub-Sahara region, from where nearly all of America's enslaved were taken, bringing with them rhythm techniques that were more complex than those brought by the European immigrants. One African music technique that's found in all music known around the world as American music is syncopation. Syncopated rhythms are found in the blues, ragtime, jazz, swing, rhythm and blues, rock and roll, bop, funk, soul, disco, hip-hop, bluegrass, and country music. Yes, I said country music, which many consider is music invented by white folks, but from its very beginning, country music was a mixture of both black and white rhythms. The syncopated African rhythm of the blues and the non-syncopated rhythm of the European waltz. The waltz arrived in America around the middle of the 1800s. Like many other styles of popular music that came from Europe, it was written in triple time. Three beats to every measure, and the first beat of each group is the strongest. That's called the downbeat. When playing waltz music, the musicians will accentuate the first beat, the downbeat. The dancers take the biggest step on the downbeat. And if there are lyrics, the singer will also accentuate that first beat. Here are the lyrics to a song written to the one, two, three rhythm of the waltz. I'll be loving you always. Waltzes, like much of the music that came from Europe, have beautiful melodies but simple rhythms. Now let's look at rock and roll, which, like just about all American-made music, has four beats to a measure. Musicians will accentuate the first and third beats, and the lyrics are written so the accent is on the first and third. Like this. I love rock and roll. Now to syncopate that music, Accents are added to the unaccented beats, the two and four. So the lyrics will be accented on the one and three, and the clapping is going to go on the two and four. I love rock and roll. That's clapping to the backbeat. The backbeat can be provided by any instrument, but typically it's added by the snare drum, the sharpest sounding drum, the drum that sounds most like clapping. Other than noticing when the drummer hits the snare drum, how do you know where the backbeat is? Sometimes a singer will help the audience out by clapping or snapping fingers on the backbeat. Otherwise, if you can locate the first beat of each measure, just remember not to start clapping there. So to brighten your day and give some time to practice clapping on the backbeat, here's Audrey Martel's singing a gospel song and clapping to the backbeat.
friends clap on one and three. Have you ever seen this printed somewhere and wondered, why not clap on one and three? Well, for one thing, it irritates the musicians. If enough people clap on the one and three, it can drown out the backbeat, which could upset the groove the musicians are working to create. In addition to annoying the musicians, clapping on the one and three, when the music requires a backbeat, shows that you are not in the same groove as the musicians, and therefore you are not cool. Duke Ellington would often explain to his audience that even snapping their fingers on the one and three was too aggressive, and then he would teach his audience how to be cool. Sometimes an entire audience will clap on the one and three. That would happen on the popular dance show American Bandstand in the 1950s. Back then, there were hardly any black teenagers on the show and the white teenagers who were unfamiliar with the backbeat would start clapping on the downbeat, accentuating the already accented beats, claiming on the show how they love the rhythm of the music. And yet, they were working against the feel, the backbeat, the rhythm technique that made rock and roll exciting. If you do a search on the internet under Sam Cooke, Everybody Likes to Cha-Cha-Cha, you can see singer Sam Cooke performing on American Bandstand, and you will also see the entire white teenage audience clapping on the one and three. Since all singers on the show would lip sync to their records, there was no band to get annoyed. But at the very end of the song, you see Sam Cooke snapping his fingers on the two and four. Finding the two and four can be difficult for some, and it may take a bit of practice. 
There are several short videos in which musicians try to teach members of the audience how to clap on the two and four, often with quite a bit of trouble. One video shows singer-musician Taj Mahal in Germany getting so upset with the way the audience was clapping that he stops his performance in order to teach them about the backbeat. The most interesting video I found was one where Harry Connick Jr. tricks his audience into clapping on the backbeat. Connick did that without stopping the music. He did it by adding one beat to a measure, a fifth beat. If you're interested in seeing just how he did that, there's a great explanation on the internet where numbers are added to the video. The numbers indicate just where Harry Connick signals to his drummer that he's going to do something to fix the annoying clapping. Then the video also shows exactly where the fifth beat is added. Uh, it was put up by Joshua Surufka, S-U-R-U-F-K-A. Accentuating the two and four is a simple form of syncopation. There are other more complex forms. One such pattern is called the clave rhythm, a rhythm of West Africa that was brought to the Caribbean and certain South American countries with the transatlantic slave trade. In the United States, one form of the clave rhythm became well known back in 1955. That's when Elias McDaniel had a hit record using a clave rhythm. You may not know the name Elias McDaniel because he recorded under the name Bo Diddley and the title of his first rock and roll hit was called Bo Diddley. So with rock and rollers, the clave rhythm he used became known as the Bo Diddley beat. There are four beats to each measure of music with the Bo Diddley beat and there are five accents. One accent is right on the downbeat, right on the first beat, another is right on the fourth beat, and the other three accents come in between the beats. And it goes like this. Different forms of the clave rhythm are being incorporated into much of today's music, but those rhythm patterns may sometimes be hard to find. If you want to hear music where the rhythm really jumps out, in addition to listening to Bo Diddley's song, Try Johnny Otis's Hand Jive from the 1950s or the 1960s record by the Strange Loves called I Want Candy. The impact West African rhythms has had on America's music is immeasurable. Without those rhythms, who knows what American music would be like? Would we still be waltzing? It's hard to say because new music with its African rhythms led to new popular American dance styles. Hmm, and that could be another whole podcast. Throughout popular music history, white artists have become the faces and highest earners of music that originated in the black community. A white man became father of country, another white man king of rock and roll, and another named the king of swing. These white artists may not have been racist themselves, but the structure of the music industry was, and still is, an industry that sidelines black artists while promoting white artists. A system carefully orchestrated not by the musicians, but by the music industry. Black artists have been underpaid, underpromoted, underacknowledged, and today many are nearly forgotten. May this podcast and others to follow help spread a more accurate account 
of America's musical history. Till next time, may you find enjoyment, comfort, and inspiration in the music you love.